Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. If my math is correct, today is Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Festivus. Whatever it is you celebrate, if just the solstice and the coming longer days ahead of us, how's that? So I decided that an appropriate story for Christmas would be a story from the Institute for Justice. <laughs> the Institute for Justice is an organization that keeps delivering the gifts. And by gifts, I mean good court rulings in favor of good people who deserve to win. And so a lot of people sent me this story. I got the story directly from the Institute for Justice. They do great work. They've done great work this year. They'll continue to do it next year. So like I said, very, very appropriate for Christmas Day. We'll unwrap this now, shall we? Federal judge hands free speech victory to a retired engineer. And a court has held that the state officials violated the First Amendment when they ordered a retired engineer to stop talking about math in public. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what we're talking about here. Philip Suderman wrote this, and uh, the chief judge, Richard Myers, issued an opinion holding that the North Carolina Board of Examiners for Engineers and Surveyors violated the First Amendment when it ordered a retired engineer to stop expressing opinions about engineering without a state license. The man is uh, represented by the Institute for Justice. He filed the lawsuit after the board sent him a series of threatening letters ordering him to stop publicly offering opinions about engineering without a license on pain of potential criminal punishment. Today's ruling confirms that those letters and the law they were based on violate the First Amendment. So the man has opinions on engineering, and he speaks them out loud. And somebody from the state says, you can't say that. The uh, IJ attorney said state licensing boards nationwide increasingly act as if they are boards of censors deciding who may or may not speak about the topics they regulate. Today's ruling is a powerful reminder that in this country, we rely on people to decide who they want to listen to. We don't rely on government boards to decide who gets to speak. And we often call this, you know, it's a marketplace of ideas. People, you know, I give you my opinion, someone else gives you their opinion. You realize that we don't have the same opinion. And you go, ah, I kind of like this guy, I like that guy, I like this statement, I like that. You, you want to hear more information, not less, right? The man's case began after the board discovered he was using his decades of experience as a working engineer to offer opinions about the designs of public works. That speech, according to the board, was punishable as a misdemeanor unless the man obtained a professional engineer's license from the state. He sued, sparking nationwide controversy, including a viral YouTube video that's been viewed over 2 million times. And today he was vindicated by the judge who said that law is unenforceable. The court's opinion makes clear that the case turns on basic free speech analysis and principles. At its core, this case concerns the extent to which a law-abiding citizen may use his technical expertise to offer a dissenting perspective against the government. Stating that dissent required the speaker to use his expertise in several ways, he had to do some math. He had to apply recognized methodologies. He even had to write a report memorializing his work. Some of that work may plausibly be considered conduct, but it ends up providing him the basis to speak his mind. This is a win for more than just me, the man said. There are a lot of people in the same situation, people who have expertise that they've been blocked from talking about. This decision is an affirmation that the First Amendment protects all of our rights to share what we know. The First Amendment protects everyone's right to speak their minds, whether they're talking about politics or talking about math. Regulators often seem to forget that basic fact, but we always stand ready to remind them. And so that's the uh, deputy director of litigation 
from the Institute for Justice, Robert McNamara. I met him uh, at the retreat that they held a few months ago. That is uh, Robert McNamara. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, and of course, I think that name is similar to somebody from the Vietnam era who had appeared on TV quite a bit, uh, but he was in the uh, military. But another story altogether. <laughs> no relation, I'm sure. Although there could be, I don't know. But simply put, you've got a guy who's retired, and he's a retired engineer. And so, you know, when you retire, you don't shut off that part of your brain that contains all that useful information. I've met a lot of retired guys who are actually, obviously, still in complete control of the faculties they had when they worked doing whatever they did. And I've, I've spoken to these guys and gals. And I can give you an example. John Pointer was an aerodynamics engineer who worked at Chrysler, starting out at Chrysler Missile Division. Then he worked at Chrysler Automotive. And he's one of the guys who came up with the idea for the nose cone and the wing on that car. John Pointer. I interviewed him. And when I interviewed him, he had been out of Chrysler at least 10 years and maybe more. And he was still as sharp as anybody I'd ever met. And not only could he tell me about what they did back in 1968 and 69 and 70, and I was interviewing him around 2000, 2005 maybe. I was interviewing him many years after the fact, 30 years after the fact, at least he could recall who he talked to, what happened on this day, what happened on that day, what happened when this other guy came to visit, what stage was this project at? He knew all that stuff. And I'm a historian, so I'm writing this stuff down, and it's like, whoa, this guy is just filled with information. But then I could ask him questions about aerodynamic principles and bodies falling through space. And, and he, he whips out a napkin, he starts doing formulas and stuff. This guy, he only retired, I think, because he wanted to do other stuff finally. But he clearly was extremely good at his job, knew his stuff really, really well, and could still talk about it with authority. He had that kind of a command of that knowledge and information. And to muzzle someone like that would be a sin. I didn't say a crime. Although that would be wrong, too. It would be a sin, because they have so much information. I'll give you another example. I've mentioned before the Chrysler Turbine Car Project that is mentioned in the documentary about the Chrysler Turbine Car that I was in. And when Jay Leno's turbine car engine blew up, uh, he hooked up with the people at Williams International in Michigan, and they are helping him rebuild his engine. And so my brother's involved in that project. And so when... My brother was talking to the people at Williams about how they're going to do this. They said, well, let's get volunteers. I think we can get enough people to volunteer to do this. And my brother let a few people in the Chrysler community know this was happening. And suddenly, out of the woodwork, stepped a bunch of guys, Bill Carey, Jerry Gross, and others, who stepped forward and said, we'll help. We'll help. And they are helping rebuild an engine that goes into a car that was put on the road in 1963. 1963. You could do the math on that, but again, if you're not a mathematician, just trust me. That's a while ago. That's a while ago. And I've had the opportunity to speak to these guys recently. I also spoke to them when I wrote my book. And these guys have got stories to tell. 
But the fascinating thing is that it's not just that they shut off the engineering part of their brains and now use it for storage of stories. No. They can tell you the stories from 1965, but they can also explain to you the engineering principles and so on. And so that's one of the things I've talked to my brother about is these guys will come out to help him with something. And while they're helping him and lending him the technical expertise, they're also telling him these stories, <laughs> which talk about bang for your buck, right? You know, the guy shows up and he's showing you, oh, by the way, here's how this goes. And it reminds me of a story that happened in 1966 when we were down in Tulsa with one of these things. <laughs> so the guy's a retired engineer and they told him to stop talking about engineering publicly or they'd, they'd charge him with a crime. <laughs> so this is one of those stories that, yeah, it called for the Institute for Justice. They came, they fixed it, and a court's now ruled in that man's favor. So as I always do, I'm going to tell you, the Institute for Justice does great work. I'm going to put a link to them in the description below the video. And I'm going to encourage you, if you can, donate anything. They survive entirely on the generosity of people who support them. And even if you can't support them financially, bookmark their page and visit it once in a while because they update these stories that they're doing. They're fascinating stories. And then you look at the story and ask yourself, could that be me? Could that have been me? How would I feel if that was me? Because it's you know somebody trying to start a business and the city won't let them. Somebody puts up a sign and the municipality won't let them. You know, guy wants to talk about what he used to do for a living. They won't let him. You know, somewhere down the road, this could be you. This could be you. And so, so they cover stuff on all manner of laws. You know, search and seizure stuff. What happens if the DNR comes on your property and steals your trail camera? What? <laughs> yeah, actually happened. It's a case you're handling. So go to their website and check it out at the very least. But if you can, please support them. So, you know, this is the holiday season. And if it makes you feel more generous, great. But otherwise, they're just good people. They're good, good people. And I'm saying that because I've met most of them. <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> to go to a retreat with a whole bunch of lawyers and walk away going, wow, what a bunch of great people. Um, I've been to Christmas parties at law firms that <laughs> didn't hit me that way. <laughs> so there you go. But thanks to everybody who sent this to me because I now have a lot of people in my audience who support them and get their emails. And so um, many of them forward those to me. And that's when I often realize, oh, something must have happened. I'm getting this flurry of emails, and I look at my email box. Oh, and there's one to me also. So there you go. Philip Suderman wrote this for the Institute for Justice. Federal judge hands free speech victory to a retired engineer. Another big win for the IJ. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. What do I know of man's destiny? I could tell you more about radishes.